Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. In this episode of the cast, we talk about the Hawks' 113-125 loss to the Indiana Pacers. In a back-and-forth game, the Hawks found themselves tied with the Pacers with five minutes to go, but the Hawks were unable to come up with the stops or hit the shots to get the win in State Farm Arena. Without further ado, let's get into it. After getting destroyed by the Spurs the night before, the Hawks came into the second night of a back-to-back hoping to get a win over the Indiana Pacers. Unfortunately, despite playing a really strong third quarter, a really just terrible fourth quarter uh, doomed the Hawks and they were unable to get that win. And It's funny when you look at these games, the Hawks lost by 11 to the San Antonio Spurs and yet that game was just so much more of a destruction and terrible game than this one against the Pacers. The Hawks hung, hung into this game. They actually went down. They were down at halftime to the Pacers, but had a wonderful third quarter where they outscored the Pacers 29-22, to 22, uh, really limited the amount of shots that the Pacers got up and really converted on their shots, and had a three-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Unfortunately for the Hawks, I think the fact that it was only a three-point lead going into the fourth quarter really hindered them in their attempt to get a W on the second night of a back-to-back. The Pacers came out and just had a monstrous fourth quarter. Some of these stats from the fourth quarter are just mind-boggling. Indiana Pacers were 12 of 17 from the field. They were 4 of 6 from three-point land. Were 13 of 16 from the free-throw line. Of course, at the end of the game, the Hawks were fouling, so that accounts for some of the free-throws. But the Pacers got into the bonus early and took advantage of it. They were being very aggressive, especially Aaron Holiday, who had 13 points in the period. But the Hawks really had no answer for the Pacers getting to the free throw line and getting to the free throw line also does a good job of helping the Pacers keep that shooting percentage so high 12 of 17 to shoot over 70% in a fourth quarter. is just wild. And the uh, Pacers hit some tough shots. And then to look on the other side of it, the Hawks didn't shoot the ball particularly well. The Hawks were nine of 24 from the field. They hit four threes as well, but they took 12 attempts and they only got to the free throw line six times making four of those and it was just brutal to have a game where the Hawks really did a good job of hanging around in the first half didn't let Indiana get too far ahead um in fact I think it was a little bit disappointing that the Hawks weren't ahead after that first first half of play then they play a really strong uh third quarter and then have it all go away and end up losing by more than they did against the Spurs the night before and sort of a lackluster loss but um, the the highlight for the Hawks was really those 35 assists, um, and with the way the Hawks were shooting, I thought Lord Pierce made a nice point after the game that the Hawks could have had maybe even 40 assists or something like that. For performances, the Hawks got a strong performance from Cam Reddish, the second-year guard who had been struggling, went 6 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point land. I think they could have actually looked at Cam a little bit more at the three-point line, and It was a good game for Cam. He wasn't forcing the threes. These weren't isolation, step-back threes, but in fact, these were threes he was getting off the catch. He had some really nice drives. I was really encouraged by his willingness to be aggressive and go to the basket, and he was rewarded by getting four free throws, and he made three of those. He ended the game with 18 points. He had a steal. He had one assist, um, and that's one area that Cam is just going to have to improve in. If he's going to be one of the secondary ball handlers for the Hawks, he's going to have to get more than one assist. Um, but his steal was magnetic. He uh, hopped into a play where the Pacers were whipping the ball around, and I think Sabonis made a pass to someone on the perimeter, and Cam just stepped right in, got the um, 
intercepted the ball, and then Sabonis ended up actually fouling Cam. But it was a really strong effort from Cam Reddish. Uh, Trey Young had a weird game, attempted no three-pointers. He was 3 of 9 from the field, 9 of 11 from the free-throw line, ended the game with 15 points, had 14 assists. Um, And him not taking a three was notable because while I was watching the game, it didn't really stand out that he hadn't taken a three. He did have two instances where he got his defender up in the air and where normally Trey would kind of jump into that uh, defender and draw the foul. He didn't do that. He actually moved the ball along and tried to use that advantage to help his teammates get shots, and that's evidence in his 14 assists. But Trey just didn't take his threes for whatever reason. He was getting to the paint. Um, I thought the Hawks were most effective when Trey was breaking down the defense, getting in the paint. Um, and also Brandon Goodwin got into the paint a good amount, but Trey Young was getting in the paint, finding his big men, whether that was Clint Capella or John Collins. Both Clint Capella and John Collins had missed dunks, which is a rarity. Uh, Clint Capella had a missed dunk in transition that kind of felt like a big moment um, where the Hawks could have pushed the lead up a little bit more, and they didn't. And then John Collins missing bunnies is just not something you're used to seeing. Talking about John Collins, he was 7 of 17 from the field. Didn't make any of his three-pointers, only took three of them. You know I'm going to get on to John Collins if he's only taking three three-pointers. He needs to be taking at least one a quarter. He needs to. He's too good of a three-point shooter to not be doing that. He was 4 of 4 from the free-throw free, free throw line. He had nine rebounds, uh, two of those offensive. He had two assists. He did foul five times and had 18 points. Clint Capella had a really nice game. After a few games where I thought Capella hadn't played as well as we had gotten used to in the earlier part of the season, Clint Capella was 12 of 17 from the field, 24 points. He had 10 rebounds, another double double, three of them offensive. Um, he had one block. Both him and John had a block shot, um, and Clint Capella's block came at an important time um, in the fourth quarter. Clint Capella was a team high. The Hawks were plus 12 when Capella was on the court, and it was kind of odd seeing the Hawks go back to Gallinari. Um, it was understandable, I guess, once the lead kind of blew up to 10 points or so, but. Capella was playing so well, and he was really limiting the big men of the Pacers. The Pacers have two really quality big men in DeMontis Sabonis and um, Miles Turner, and I thought Capella was a big reason that neither of those two guys really had huge nights. Kevin Herter finishes out the starting lineup. He finished the game with 10 points. He didn't have a particularly great night shooting. He was 4 of 10 from the field, only 2 of 8 from three-point land. He had 10 assists. Uh, to add it to add a double double there um, but he was minus 18 when he was on the court and it really felt like a lot of that minus 18 was that fourth quarter uh, the fourth quarter was just brutal for the Hawks as a team as we talked about at the beginning of this and Kevin Herter was part of that uh, fourth quarter crew uh, to round out kind of the good performances for the Hawks Brandon Goodwin I thought had a really nice game for himself he was three of six from the field including two back-to-back floaters where he found his way to the paint and was able to uh, make floaters that allowed him to find some bigs um, in the paint as well I thought there was a, a particularly beautiful pass when he got in the paint after hitting those two floaters and Miles Turner was forced to try to block his shot and uh, Brandon had a nice little drop off to Clint Capella um, and finished the game with four assists but those six points off the bench from Brandon Goodwin the Hawks actually played Trey Young and Brandon Goodwin together a good bit, and I thought it was actually a pretty good matchup. Um, and that didn't that lineup didn't like give up a ton of points or do anything. In fact, they actually played pretty well out there together. Uh, Coach Pierce did shake up the lineup a little bit. Uh, 
Skylar Mays got to play nine minutes in this game. He didn't hit either of his three-pointers that he attempted, um, and that was his, his only stint. He didn't play a ton, and he was playing because the Hawks did not have any Tony Snell. But uh, I thought it was nice to see Skyler really get to play some after having a huge night the night before against the Spurs. Um, finally, Gallinari was the primary uh, backup center for the Hawks. He it was 7 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point land, had 20 points, but he was uh, a team low, minus 20. The team was minus 20 when Gallinari was on the court, and it's just hard for Gallinari. He can't really match up with either Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis, and having him try to do that is, is really brutal. Um, it was – I don't – he only ended up with four free throws and Gallinari does a pretty good job of getting contact. And it was just a kind of a weirdly officiated games. There's periods of time where the officials were a lot allowing a lot of physicality to go uncalled. And then other times when it felt like knickknack calls were being called and um, kind of going against the Hawks. Gallinari had two instances where he went up and it feels like he normally would get the call. Um, and he didn't. And it, the, Pacers really took advantage of that. Um, the Pacers were really running after even made Hawk shots, but the Hawks, the Pacers took real advantage of live rebounds getting into the fast break where they outscored the Hawks 17 to 8 in the fast break, um, which was one of the big areas that the Hawks got outscored on here in this game. Um, the big players for the Indiana Pacers. I think you had to start talking about the Pacers with TJ McConnell, who is a backup point guard. And it's weird to talk about the backup point guard as the first guy um, and kind of the most important player for the Pacers. And he only scored six points. He was three of eight from the field, but he played 38 minutes and he had 12 assists. He also had four steals. A couple of those steals were on Trey Young, and Trey had a couple of just brutal turnovers in the fourth quarter that allowed the Pacers to take a two-point lead and stretch it out all the way up to eight, almost 10, and then ultimately the finishing margin in this game, which was 12. But um, TJ McConnell was just a pain, and he's willing to pick up whoever the Hawks were having bring the ball up the court, the the full 94 feet, um, and he was able to push the ball when the Hawks got uh, when the Hawks scored. There was two instances in the first half. I wasn't actually even particularly upset at the – the play in the fourth quarter, the Pacers made a lot of shots and the Hawks missed open open shots. And sometimes it comes down to just missing and making. But in the second quarter, the Hawks had a couple of opportunities to maybe cut into the lead or get a lead and come, come out of the half with a lead. Uh, and they just kind of lack um, had lapses in their defense off of made buckets. Cam Reddish had a monster, just beautiful dunk where he got fouled. He got hit in the face, but mass, massive dunk. He celebrates. John Collins celebrates. Meanwhile, the Pacer, Pacers get the ball in and get the ball all the way up the court for an easy layup. And so it just negates those two points. Um, John Collins had another beautiful alley-oop from Trey Young. And uh, John Collins likes to hang on the rim after those alley-oops. Well, the Pacers must have been coached to just go because uh, John Collins' man, Jeremy Lamb, got up the court. And while John was catching back up and ran up and contested a mid-range shot, Jeremy Lamb had a fairly uncontested mid-ranger that he just drained and again negated a nice little run by the Hawks so um, the Pacers were really well prepared and uh, TJ McConnell did a great job of being the backup point guard um, Malcolm Brogdon didn't particularly have a strong game 5 of 13 from the field hit two of five threes including one three at the end when the uh, Pacers were already up uh, nine points with 
under a minute to go um, and six of six from the free throw line, but for 18 points, but Brockton didn't have a particularly effective game. And to be, to be honest, DeMontis Sabonis didn't have a very good game. He was seven of 14 from the field, didn't make any threes, had 13 rebounds, um, but was just, I thought really ineffective. He fouled a bunch. He had four fouls, um, ended with 14 points. Miles Turner didn't have a particularly good game. He was 6 of 11, 2 of 4. His three-pointers in the fourth quarter were huge. Um, But 2 of 4 from the three-point line, he ended up with 19 points. Um, But the big starter for the Pacers was uh, Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets, who was 9 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from three-point land, had 5 of 5 free throws, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, had 26 points, and was really taking advantage of uh, any breakdown on the defense that the Hawks had. He got his points in transition. There are a few times that the Hawks were unable to find Dougie McBuckets in transition, and he got open three-pointers. He was a- going down the court, and T.J. McConnell or Sabonis found him early for cuts where he made uh, shots right at the rim. And then he in the fourth quarter, he really took advantage of the Pacers being in the bonus early and got to the free-throw line to kind of ice this game. Um, but... You know, it was just a brutal performance when the big scorers are kind of the big uh, players for the Pacers aren't their, their big guys. DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon don't have big games, but Aaron Holiday, uh, Doug McDermott, and TJ McConnell do. It's just kind of brutal way to lose. Aaron Holiday had a particularly good fourth quarter. Again, he scored 13 points in that period. He was being very aggressive going into the paint. Um, in fact, one time I thought he might have been able – he might have been – called for a offensive foul because he came in kind of with a flying sidekick and made the layup but um he was being aggressive and uh the officials were rewarding him for that and the hawks didn't have any sort of answer uh for that aggressiveness especially when clint capella wasn't on the court so uh just as brutal a loss as it was against the spurs the the spur the hawks never really had a chance to win in this game against the pacers the hawks had a chance to win they just didn't hit their shots and um, just really fell apart in the last five minutes of the game. But uh, you got to give credit to the Pacers who just hung around, didn't, never let the lead stretch too uh, large. The largest lead that the Hawks had was nine points. Um, and the Hawks were really unable to stretch that lead out and, and make it, you know, a 10-plus point lead where maybe you get the, the Pacers to give up and just pack it in. So um, a brutal loss on the second night of a back-to-back. The Hawks have not been good on back-to-backs and continue that trend, unfortunately. But to lose to the Spurs and Pacers back-to-back, it, it, it just is—it's been a brutal stretch for the Hawks. They fall to 11 and 15, and now they go on the road and they have to play the Knicks, who knocked off the Hawks in State Farm Arena earlier this season. Um, for the Hawks going forward, they're going to have to get stronger performances from. Uh, Trey Young, you know, as good as he played to get a double-double with 14 assists and 15 points, um, the Hawks need their star point guard to play like that, and that includes uh, getting some threes up. He did hurt his finger, his thumb in this game. It was a weird play. The Hawks weren't getting any sort of continuation calls, and Sabonis Sabonis fouled Trey Young kind of on the side, and Trey tried to go up to get the continuation call and didn't get it and he was holding his thumb for a long time and then came out in the second half with his thumb wrapped Um, but the Hawks are also going to have to get bigger performances off the bench they were outscored off the bench 28 to 33 and without Hunter without Bogdanovich without Rondo it's really hard for this uh, second unit they got to get more than just um, 
Danilo Gallinari going. So they haven't had, you know, didn't have um, Tony Snell tonight and didn't get a strong game from Solomon Hill, who only hit one of his five shots, didn't hit any of his threes. And it's just tough for the Hawks right now when a lot of their depth that they thought they had this offseason, Bogdanovich, uh, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Rajon Rondo, we still haven't seen Chris Dunn, is is just not available, and the Hawks are going to have to find a way to win. Sort of like Cam Reddish's shooting slump. You can't get out of a shooting slump except by shooting. The Hawks can't get out of this uh, losing slump without just winning it. And they can play as well as they can through three quarters, and if they're unable to secure it at the end, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But I thought this was a much better effort from the Hawks than their effort against the Spurs. One of the keys that um, Coach Pierce said at the end of the Spurs game that he wanted to see going into this game was just to make the Pacers feel the Hawks. And the Hawks did that. Um, they did a much better job defensively. And you could argue that maybe they made the Pacers feel them a little bit too much in that fourth quarter, giving up 16 free throw attempts. But uh, brutal loss. Um, the Hawks are in a tough stretch. You go through these stretches, you know, basketball is a game of runs. And this uh, season is going to be a game of runs. The Hawks will turn this around. And they have a big opportunity to do that tomorrow night in New York against the Uh, New York Knicks. Go Hawks. Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. And if you could leave a rating or review on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that's a huge help to me. Go Hawks.